Well, welcome to the podcast, History That Matters. Today, we will focus our attention on the election of 1912. Historian James Chase writes, The year 1912 constitutes a defining moment in American history. If this is the case, why? We will address this question as well as several others, including who are the key players in this election and what impact did the election have on the country politically, economically, and socially. Hey, do we have a theme song this week? Of course we do. For these, this week, I selected a song you may never have heard of, I'd Like to Change the World by 10 Years After. That's a really interesting group name, 10 Years After. It sure is. Huh. I'm not sure where they got that one from. Besides, this re- besides really liking this 1971 hit, I think that both the music and the lyrics capture a sense of radicalism, which the four presidential candidates of that year also demonstrated. I should point out that one of the keys to studying history is to seeing history through the eyes of the people lived it. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Let's look at one quick example. Historical hindsight suggests that women's suffrage, or voting for women, was a no-brainer. This, however, was a hotly debated topic by Americans of this era. Okay, so I get that you want me to look at the events through the lens of the people that lived it. Right on. So you want to hear some I'd Like to Change the World? Absolutely. You are getting really good at the guitar. Thanks, Melissa. You know what they say. Practice, (laughs) practice, practice. Where should we start? Um, Historical context. That's a great place to start. (laughs) In our last podcast, we dealt with the Gilded Age. Yeah, that was a time of amazing wealth. Right you are. 1% of Americans, people like Rockefeller and Carnegie, own 51% of the wealth while only 44% of Americans owned 1.2%. This uneven distribution of wealth was only one issue that Americans faced. Other issues included labor unrest, which we dealt with in our last podcast, discrimination, lack of consumer protection, and environmental damage. In 1901, Theodore Roosevelt took the office after the assassination of President McKinley. TR's presidency is most associated with placing the federal government in between big business and the people. TR is just one member of the reformers who 
people were part of the what historians call the progressive era. This movement overlaps with the Gilded Age starting in roughly 1890 and ending in 1920. Full disclosure here, the progressive era is one of my favorite time periods. I can't read enough of progressives like Teddy Roosevelt, Alice Paul, Jacob Reese, W.E.B. Du Bois, and of course Chicago's own Jane Addams. Yes, very good. Since progressives is a term that is often used today, most often in politics, let me say that although the term means the same thing today as it did more than a century ago, there are some differences as well. Progressives came from all political ideologies. In fact, much of the success and even the failure of the progressive era can be linked to Democrats, Republicans, and independents. With that foundation to work from, it is time to turn to the election. To do so, let's check out a political cartoon. Can you describe to our listeners what you see? Um, well, I see it looks like a group of um, men, I'm assuming politicians or candidates, and they're riding on animals. Now, I recognize the elephant, and I see the donkey, and I know that those are Demo- or, um, Republican and Democratic symbols. But then I see Teddy Roosevelt's like riding behind the elephant, kind of like on an animal of some kind, like a moose. And the moose is actually like pulling on, on the elephant. Yeah. So <laughs> Good description. You see what's in the background? Where are they going? Oh, are they going to... It looks like a political building. Is it Washington or... It's actually the White House. White House, pretty okay. pretty small, okay. so it's hard to see. So... What do you think? Well, wait a minute. I thought you said that there were four candidates. Nice catch. Guess the fourth candidate, Eugene Debs, a socialist, lacked a mascot. Um, Do you have any suggestions? Hmm. I know. How about a falcon? Oh, that's a fantastic (laughs) idea. You know how much I like falcons. Now that we know the four, it might be a good time to give a short bio about each of them. Who should we start with? Mm, well, seeing him as riding on that really strange animal, I'd say Teddy Roosevelt, TR. All right, let's do it. Sure, in 1901, Teddy Roosevelt became the youngest president in American history. Hmm. Wasn't JFK the youngest? JFK was actually the youngest elected president. Oh. Teddy Roosevelt was the youngest president. So if you ever get like a okay. trivia thing on that yes. or win a million dollars, I only Woo-hoo! ask yes. for 50%. <laughs> Okay. Just 50% it's seems reasonable. Yeah. You don't have a choice. <laughs> uh, although he didn't invent progressive ideology, he did much to support it by using the federal government in matters li- like that of consumer protection with the, food, the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906 and in conservationism. He federalized two, two, 210 million acres of land. Was he related to FDR or Eleanor Roosevelt? Yes, he was. Eleanor was his niece and FDR was his fifth cousin. Hmm. Although a Republican, Teddy Roosevelt did influence FDR, whose New Deal had its roots in Teddy's square deal. Hmm. William Howard Taft is the second of those two. And he was a really good friend of Teddy Roosevelt's and actually a hand-picked successor serving as president from 1908 to 1912. It must be noted that Taft followed TR's progressive agenda. However, Taft was not the political maverick that TR was. 
No, I remember hearing about Taft that he was a very large man. Yes, he was. <laughs> Taft had always struggled with his weight. He, like many people, saw his weight increase when he was stressed out. Taft is sadly most known for the fact that he installed a large bathtub in the ba- in the White House. Oh my gosh, that's a picture of it, isn't it? You're showing. It's a huge bathtub. There are like four people sitting comfortably. <laughs> Like grown men sitting inside of it. Yeah, during the 1912 election, his stress level really went up. Uh, he was reported to weigh 355 pounds, so large person. What is more important about Taft is that he is the only American to serve in all three branches of government. Prior to the election, he was a good friend of TR's, calling Roosevelt the most commanding personality in our public life since Lincoln. That's yeah, high praise. Number three is Thomas Wilson, or better known as Woodrow Wilson. Mm. Woodrow is his middle name. I didn't know that. He was the Democratic candidate. Wilson was an unlikely candidate in many ways. He attended Princeton University, where he majored in history, which is pretty cool, and became a professor and eventually the president of the university. Oddly enough, he struggled with reading due to a case of dyslexia. Two years before the election, Wilson changed careers, leaving education to become governor of New Jersey. Well, there's a picture of him. He he looks like a college president. He really does. Well, maybe you should run for president, and then you could use the falcon as your mascot. I like your idea of the falcon, but I think the idea of going for president, I'll, I'll have to take a pass. <laughs> what is more important than educating the youth of America? Oh, that's a good point. By the way, it took the Democratic Party 46 ballots before electing Wilson as the party's candidate. The key vote came from John F. Fitzgerald, which is JFK's grandfather. Gosh. Okay, the fourth candidate, and not least of those candidates, is Eugene Debs. Debs' political career ran through the labor movement. Although an admirer of President Lincoln, Debs could not ignore the dark side of capitalism. As a labor leader for the American Railway Union during the 1894 Pullman strike in Chicago, Debs was jailed for participating in the strike. He was imprisoned in Woodstock, Illinois for six months, in fact. This experience transformed Debs, who said both political parties are prisoners to capitalist corporations. I am for socialism because I am for humanity. Debs ran for president in 1904 and 1908. I do like his haircut, don't you? Oh, wait. He doesn't have any hair. Exactly. (laughs) So let's see if I've got this right. So you have two Republicans, one Democrat, and one Socialist running for the presidency. So how can two Republicans run for office? That's a great question. Roosevelt thought the Republican Party would back him over Taft. Is it true that... Taft stands for take advice from Teddy. Not really, but it does sound good. (laughs) On June 6, 1911, TR announced his decision to take on Taft. As probably the most memorable presidential announcement, TR declared, My hat is in the ring, the fight is on, and I am stripped to the buff. Interesting terminology (laughs) and a disturbing visual on top of it. When the party bosses didn't see it TR's way, he decided to form an independent party. The name of this party was born at the Congress Hotel in Chicago. Oh, uh, really? Yep. 
A reporter asked Roosevelt how he was feeling. T.R. Cl- declared, I'm feeling like a bull moose. Oh, moose. Yeah. Yes, there it is, the oh. moose. The election of 1912 was, like most elections, nasty. Taft called T.R. a dangerous egotist. T.R. called his one-time good friend a fathead and a puzzle wit. Are those words even in the dictionary? <laughs> Not really sure. I don't recommend that you call your boss either of them, however. <laughs> I'll remember that. Uh, but really, these attacks aren't much compared to the election of 1824 that we did a podcast on. Nice plug for that podcast. <laughs> sure. The real significance of this election can be seen in the debate over the government involvement and to a lesser degree the role of the Midwest region in political matters, especially Chicago. Let's deal with the role of the Midwest first. Three of the four party conventions took place in the Midwest. The Socialist Party held their convention in Indianapolis, while the Republican and Progressive Parties held their conventions in Chicago in the same location, actually the Coliseum. Going forward, the Midwest would continue to play a significant role in deciding who would run and who would win the highest political office in the land. Government involvement or regulation is a topic that Americans have debated since the founding of this country and will most likely continue to be debated as long as the country exists. What we should pay close attention to is the radicalism of this debate. Hardly surprising, the Socialist Party had the most radical platform. Socialists called for a collective ownership of transportation, land, large-scale industry, as well as women's suffrage. The Progressive Party embraced Teddy Roosevelt's new nationalism, which called for a graduated income tax, direct elections of senators, more government regulation of business, and women's suffrage. Luckily, we have an audio clip of T.R. who declared the great fundamental issue now before our people can be stated it is are the American people fit to govern themselves to rule themselves to control themselves I believe they are my opponents do not I believe in the right of the people to rule I believe that the majority of the plain people of the United States will day in and day out make fewer mistakes in governing themselves than any smaller class or body of men, no matter what their training, will make in trying to govern them. I believe again that the American people are as a whole capable of self-control and of learning by their mistakes. Our opponents, they lift loyalty to this doctrine, but they show their real beliefs. Dorian Chase claims that to this day, TR's new nationalism remains one of the radical covenants for idealistic reform ever offered in American history. This might be overstating his point based on the socialist agenda we just outlined, but still the agenda of the Progressive Party was hardly the status quo. Jane Addams, one of the more radical progressives, understood this when she gave the nomination speech for TR at the convention in Chicago. Speaking of status quo, that is the space that Taft and the Republican Party occupied. It is clear that Taft knew he was going to lose. In June of that year, he wrote, I think I might as well give up so far as being a candidate. There are so many people in the country who don't like me. Revealing his true feelings, Taft was unable to act on them. He stayed in the race until the end. (laughs) 
Wilson gave voice to the democratic agenda in what he termed the new freedom. Wilson explained his slogan when he said, This is a second struggle for emancipation. If America is not to have free enterprise, then she cannot have freedom of no sort whatever. To achieve true freedom, Wilson called for the triple wall of privilege, which he declared war on. This triple wall of privilege was tariffs, banks, and trusts. The main difference between Wilson's new freedom and TR's new nationalism is that Wilson believed in a Jeffersonian view of government, which saw freedom coming from the people, while TR believed in a Hamiltonian view that saw freedom coming from the government. This is most apparent in how each side dealt with trusts or companies that acted as monopolies. TR believed government could regulate them. Wilson sought to destroy them. The campaign for the president in 1912 had one unanticipated moment. That moment was the attempted assassination of Teddy Roosevelt. On October 14th of that year in Milwaukee, TR was leaving the Gilpatrick Hotel to give a campaign speech when he was shot at point-blank range. Although he was hit in the chest by a bullet, TR still gave an hour-long speech afterwards. When he was done, he reluctantly was taken to Mercy Hospital in Chicago. The surgeon who worked on TR said to him, you were elected last night. Oh my gosh, I've never heard that story before. Can we hear more about it? I'd love to. However, this is the topic for our next podcast. Uh So sorry, you'll have to wait. All right, bummer. (laughs) The attempted assassination seemed like it would be a game changer, but it was not to be. Woodrow Wilson won the election with only 41.9% of the popular vote. TR came in second with 27.4%. Taft had only 23.2%, and Debs only had 6%. Looking at the numbers, it does suggest that T.R. most likely would have won if he had unified the Republican Party behind his candidacy. His showing also makes clear how difficult it is for a third party to gain traction in Americans' political system. Yeah, it really is amazing. I mean, if Roosevelt failed to win with his name and political experience and being shot, uh, I mean, who can? I agree. He is the only third-party candidate to come in second in a presidential race in American history. You know what they say, though. Close only counts in hand grenades and horseshoes. Hmm. Hmm. Even with the failure of the third party, there are some important outcomes of this election. A few of these are the passage of the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th Amendments during Wilson's two terms as president. The 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote. This was reluctantly supported by Wilson, however. Secondly, the graduated income tax, the Federal Trade Commission, the Federal Reserve Act, and the Clayton Antitrust Act were all passed during Wilson's presidency, changing the political and economic landscape of America forever. There is one major failure that eluded Wilson, Teddy Roosevelt, Taft, and to a lesser extent, Debs, and that was civil rights for African Americans. Unfortunately, that issue would not be dealt with for more than 40 years. Are you going to do a podcast on that? You read my mind. Well, it's time to turn the page to our next topic. 
the attempted assassination of Roosevelt. I want to thank author Heckacre, Professor Brands, and O'Donnell, and especially James Chase, whose book, 1912, The Election That Changed the Country, was a fantastic read. Thanks, of course, to my partner in podcasting, Melissa Basinger. As one political figure said, Some people see things as they are and say why. I dream of things that never were and say why not.